Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envy.
Mario's eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Tonight is the fourth part of a four-part series on the elements. Tonight's element is Earth. Tonight's elemental is the gnome, the Earth Dweller. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Download the Fringe FM app for free to listen to the network 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Listen on the Fringe FM, the Paranormal Radio app, and Talk Stream Live. And if you missed any of our previous broadcasts, you can subscribe to our show archive with all the shows to download and stream them, which also gets you access to the Montage Archive and all of my digital books. Plus, when you subscribe for one year, you get a physical copy of one of my books, just go to the website www.thesecretteachings.info and you can find all of the information there, including the email links to social media, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and our Patreon page, The Secret Teachings on Patreon, where you can find behind-the-scenes videos and more. Again, all those links are on the website, along with our affiliate sponsor links for Pro One Water Filters and US Plus Health. Everything, including top news, is on the website. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. So over the last month, we've looked at one of the elements every Thursday night here on the broadcast. How each of the elements, fire, air, earth, and water, can be associated with an anthropomorphic-like elemental creature. For fire, it is a salamander like a lizard, like a dragon. For air, it is the slith, the elemental of the air. For water, it is the undine, kind of like a mermaid. And for the earth, it is the most commonly known earth elemental, I think. Outside of the dwarves, it's the gnome. Now, when you look at the elements, something like fire is hot and dry. Something like air is moist and hot. Something like earth is dry and cold. Something like water is cold and moist. You can combine the air and the water, the air and the fire, the fire and the earth, and the earth and the water to create variations of the elements. When we define the word life, It comprises a condition that includes capacity for growth and reproduction, some kind of uh, functional activity, change, something that precedes death. Even death itself is a form of change. And by this definition, we can see that earth, air, water, and fire do indeed grow, they do indeed reproduce, and they do indeed change form. In this way, the elements obtain life and movement through elementals that are thought to exist just beyond our vision, just beyond our sight. One of the creepiest stories I think I've ever read, and there's a handful of them in the book, 
It's a book written by Linda Godfrey. She's been on the show a number of times. Linda Godfrey is best known probably for The Beast of Bray Road and Stories of Dogmen, but she's compiled a number of books with hundreds of stories from witnesses around the around the United States. We had her on to talk about the book, I Know What I Saw, wherein she documents two cases of what amount to elf or gnome-like sightings. I know it might seem a little bit crazy at first, but it's interesting when you listen to what these stories describe, you get this eerie feeling. Not like it's made up, not like it's fabricated, but like it's real or it very well might be real to some degree, to some extent. Obviously, Linda and other researchers, they try to vet witnesses when they see or hear stuff like this. There's a story in Victoria, Canada, back in 2014. Summarizing that story, a man went out into the woods, and what he saw disturbed him. He said, all the sound stopped. Everything went silent. He said that he saw a creature, some kind of thing. He had an encounter with this creature. He said, as my eyes adjusted to the dark forest, I no longer felt alone. In fact, I was looking into the trees or the earth realm. It went completely silent. Felt like I was in a big vacuum. That eerie silence is similar to something known as the Oz factor, where everything goes quiet, sometimes associated with portals and strange mists that appear that are portal-like. The man said what he saw was a creature with one leg bigger than the other. He thought that that was because maybe the creature was stepping into our world, very much like the story of Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. One side makes you taller, one side makes you smaller. The man said he wondered if he looked the same to this creature. There are other stories story of the Olympic wood elf, for example, back in 2016 in the Olympic National Forest in the state of Washington. Linda describes that in the book as well, along with a number of other accounts of strange creatures, including one with a photograph in Chile in a cave, a creature that looked similar to Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Now, you don't have to believe these stories. That's not really the point. But the point is, the folklore, the legend, the mythos of those things that are in the woods, that are from the earthen world, inside of the earth, inside of the mountain, the mountain dwellers like the dwarves. I think about these kinds of, uh, these kinds of stories because I like mythology. And I also like to compare mythology and folklore and legend to popular culture and further relate that in analysis to things like chaos magic and meme magic. Earlier this week, we did a show called Missing 333. I played on the Missing 411, Missing 333, Chaos in the Woods. And while everybody has been focused around the country on the story of Gabby Petito, this month, a small boy went missing for three days in the woods. This boy was three years old. 
He went missing for three days. Another boy back in April, there's more to the story than that. Another boy back in April of this year also went missing for three days in the woods. He was three years old. And in 2019, another story of a boy went missing, three years old, was gone for three days. And in all three cases, Casey Hathaway, who went missing in 2019, and the two boys, Jude Layton, who went missing in the Canadian forest. And right after that, Anthony Alphalak went missing in an Australian forest in the Australian woods. All three were found almost right where they had disappeared, as if they had turned invisible and nobody could find them. These are three-year-olds. The story of Casey Hathaway is further interesting because the little boy said that he was taken care of in the forest, in the woods, by a bear. And there are some stories that are very similar to this back in the 19th century. Little kids going missing in the woods or taken into the woods by creatures and taken care of or at least looked after by these creatures. It's kind of an eerie thing to think about. Of course, in all three cases, not only is the three synchronistic, one of the kids had three slices of pizza after he was recovered, but in all three cases, they go missing in the woods. And in the one case of a, of a kid, of a child who went missing in the Australian forest, in the Australian woods, in the wilderness recently, and all that took place in the middle of the story of Gabby Petito, who went missing in a national park, her fiancé later disappearing into a wildlife preserve in Florida as a person of interest. And so I talked about the story of Casey Hathaway on Monday because Casey Hathaway returned home, said a bear took care of him, and he said he wanted to watch Netflix. And I found that interesting because Netflix was getting ready to premiere Stranger Things Season 3. And Stranger Things like Slender Man or any of these other monsters and creatures that manifest as thought forms through the collective uh, magical rituals and conjuring spells that we perform by watching and putting our energy into these television shows, etc. These monsters are known to have dominion in the woods, and they're depicted, Slender Man in particular is, with vines and spidery limbs. And in the story of Casey Hathaway, he was found in the woods tangled in vines, tangled in what looked like spidery limbs, vines with thorns on them. He's also known as him, his infernal majesty. And so when I thought about all of that, I thought that would be a good way to begin our fourth element, elemental show on the earth. These domains of the woods, these stories of elves and gnomes and creatures that dwell in the forest Bigfoot could also be included in this, except Bigfoot isn't really a tiny creature. Bigfoot is a much larger creature. Maybe Bigfoot is small, though. We've never never seen a real Bigfoot. But maybe the most well-known earth creature is the gnome. The gnome is of the earth. It gets its name from the Greek word gnomos, which means the earth dweller. Of course, the gnomes preside over rocks and dirt and wood and all other associated elements since earthen material is considered more masculine in nature due to its rugged condition. The gnomes are ruled over by a king named Gob, 
which always reminds me of Arrested Development, a magician named Gob. The subjects of Gob are known as goblins. And these earth dwellers were given the northern part of creation. Of course, the North Pole is where Santa Claus has his workshop, and the North Pole is where the elves, the little people, help Santa to manufacture toys for good children. I think the most commonly recognized gnome is probably the elf. Because although the gnomes are the most recognized earth people, I would think they're probably the most recognized earth people. Maybe the goblins, but we, I think we consider the goblin, goblins, especially because of movies like Lord of the Rings, the goblins are kind of a different class. But the gnomes are a variety of different creatures in the same way that gray aliens are a variety of different species of creatures. So under the gnomes, you've got goblins, you've got elves, you've got brownies, often considered in various cultures to be trickster characters, mischievous characters, usually no larger than a few feet tall, the elves and the brownies in particular. Typically, a benevolent creature, they are considered to haunt homes, these little elves. You know, like Dobby, the house elf in Harry Potter. Their dwellings are within holes or the stumps of trees, and sometimes they are seen morphing, merging, or disappearing within the trunks of those trees, just like little fairies. They have a little fairy park here in Bloomfield, New York, outside of Bloomfield, where I live, called Minden Ponds Park, and they have a little fairy trail there with little fairy houses and doorways into trees. It's kind of creepy. I definitely wouldn't want to be there at night. You know, it's not a matter of arguing the scientific validity of whether fairies and gnomes and sprites and brownies and salamanders and things like this exist. It's not about walking under the woods and finding a fairy sitting there on a, wood, on a piece of wood. These are legends. These are, 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 are stories. These are myths that, that give life to the woods, that give life to the world around us, that give life to the water, that give life to the fire, that give life to the air, that give life to the earth. These creatures typically appear very aged, with long white beards. They usually have canes for support. We usually take these little creatures with their little canes and their little hats, and we put them in our garden as protectors of the garden, protectors of the earth. Earthen material is considered more masculine in nature due to its rugged condition, and so they were considered masculine spirits, not feminine spirits, unlike the water spirits, which are considered more feminine because they are fluid than they are masculine. But you can have a, you can have a male mermaid in the same way that you can have a female gnome or a female goblin or a female elf. I mean, we think of elves, you probably think of like beautiful creatures like Lord of the Rings. And we usually think, well, an elf is probably, you know, feminine in nature. Well, not really. The, the elf is actually more of a masculine character. It's more of a, 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 a trickster-like character. So, I mean, I think that's an important little distinction is that gnomes, under the gnomes, there are goblins, there are elves. Gnomes are a group of creatures that encompass virtually all the earth-dwelling inhabitants. 
And in many ways, you could say that humans are gnome-like because we are earth dwellers. And we interact with the other elements. And, and we want to protect our space. We want to protect our homes. You know, we are, we are like gnomes. And you even get part of the word home in gnome. Gnomes. We are like gnomes ourselves. ourselves. Um, you know, there's, there's people all over, the, all over the world who put gnomes in their, their gardens or gnomes in their front yard. And they don't think much more about it. It's just a fun little garden or lawn decoration. But in reality, they're practicing magic. They're putting a totem in their front yard, hoping that it brings protection to the garden. Now, some people might put a gnome in their garden or in their front yard and just think, well, it's a fun little decoration. I think there's probably something in the subconscious, something our ancestors did. Where they're using these little symbols, these little totems, these little talisman, talismanic-like uh, things to bring protection not only to the garden and the lawn, but to their home. They're magical symbols of protection. And you can find them throughout cultures around the world, throughout religions around the world. Why do Christians put crosses on their walls? Why do Jews have ram's horns? Why do they have the Star of David? Why do Muslims use the crescent moon? Why do Buddhists and other Eastern traditions use the lotus flower? These are symbols that are powerful. And the more people that believe in them, the more powerful they become. The cross is just two lines. Those two lines have caused arguably more discontent, more conflict, more war, more argument, more aggression, more violence as simplistic as they are, than any other symbol. It doesn't mean that we should degrade the cross. But when a Christian puts a cross up and doesn't believe in superstition, but then puts a gnome in their yard, or for Halloween coming up here in a couple of weeks, they go apple bobbing, those are superstitions. Putting a gnome in your yard is superstitious. It's a tradition for which... You practice the remnants of, but you don't remember, you don't know the origin of. That's what superstition means. It means leftovers of something from the past. You go apple bobbing. Apple bobbing is a divinatory ritual. Just like throwing the flowers over your shoulders, you know, uh, the bride does, you know, during a wedding. And whoever catches it's the next to get married. Well, that's what apple bobbing is. Or... They would hang apples on a, on a string on a tree, and whoever could bite the apple on the string would be the next to get married. And it obviously has very Edenic origins in the apple on the tree, the poisoned apple on the tree like Snow White. So, I mean, these are all things that we can derive from superstition, folklore, legend, myth. And one of the most prolific of all the elemental creatures is the gnome. Includes goblins and elves and brownies and and from Lord of the Rings to Harry Potter, that's where we get a lot of our you know, our visualization of what these creatures look like, but in tradition they, they usually look a lot different. Elves aren't these tall, beautiful creatures that never die unless they're they're killed. Elves are usually very small, they come into the home, they they haunt the home, they they do things that are mischievous. 
And, and we take these creatures and we put them in our garden, hope they protect the garden, hope they protect the home. At least we hope that they, you know, they act as good decoration. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. The episode tonight is Earth, the fourth episode in our four-part series. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of Ryan's books. The show offers weekly and monthly subscriptions, or for $50 a year, get access to the archive, montages, and digital books at a discounted price. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the donate button at the top of the page. Your subscription supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and you. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I personally use their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. 
Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something astounding with you. It's no mistake that Delta equals four numerically, and that with its three sides equals seven, the number of revelations that heralds the apocalypse to build a new kingdom on the ashes of the old. The new kingdom is not firstly God's though, but a false prophet who will be crowned, the Corona. His kingdom is seven years long, but it's cut in half. Delta means change and authority and conveys a deep meaning in holding the eye of God and his infallible name Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. It's no mistake CG images of SARS-CoV-2 have little triangles or that Delta waves place people into a diseased, unstable state of mind. It's no mistake the biggest global conspiracy is one of depopulation, that its logo is supposedly a triangle, and that Delta extracted from the Norse Volknut means fertility. These these are the patterns that we see and the observations that we make on the Secret Teachings Radio, five nights a week broadcasting on the Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us rdgable at yahoo.com. to be these earth creatures that are commonly found in nature anywhere that has a lot of vegetation and there has been many sightings of duendes in Latin American countries and also in the Philippines. Pukwajis have haunted the forests of Massachusetts for ages now. According to one source, for centuries they tormented the local Native Americans and crept their way into their creation myths and oral history. They could easily be passed off as legend and in fact their physical description is much like mythological creatures from other cultures and other times. Call me elf one more time. They have a cave troll. I would say that these greys were their helpers. When you say greys, it's not just one species of extraterrestrial. Was it possible? Did these beings come from another world or from a parallel universe? From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. It underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot. The only home we've ever known. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting five nights a week right here on The Fringe FM. The definition of life is that a condition exists in which there is growth, reproduction, and functional activity. There is change, even after death. Death itself is a change. And so by this definition, we can take the elements, earth, fire, air, and water, and their various states, and we can apply to them the definition of life. They are alive to some extent, and they have humanoid-like attributes. They are anthropomorphic, like the stars and the animal wheel known as the zodiac. For the fire, we have the salamander, like the dragon who guards the treasure, for the air, we have the sliff. For the water, we have the undine. And for the earth, we have the category of the gnomes, a Greek word meaning earth dweller. And when we think of gnomes, my first thought is a little garden gnome, 
one that you can buy at the dollar store and put in your front yard. And maybe you do it because you just like gnomes. Gnomes are kind of trendy nowadays. People love gnomes. People get tattoos of gnomes. They've got gnome t-shirts, gnome hats. It's a hipster thing, I think. comes along with the craft beer. But gnomes are not just those little garden creatures. Gnomes are also ruled over by a character named Gob. Of course, Gob leads the goblins. And these earth dwellers, the gnomes, the goblins, were given the northern part of creation. Obviously, in the north, you have Santa and his helper elves. Well, elves, brownies, are also gnomes. And they're mischievous characters only about two feet in height. Not Orlando Bloom and Lord of the Rings. Although you do have stories of elves that are maybe a little bit bigger. And their dwellings are within holes or stumps of trees, very similar to fairies. They disappear into the trunks of trees, almost like there's a portal there. You saw that in Stranger Things with the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon is, of course, from the Gorgon. And the Gorgon has a direct association as well with the earth. These gnomes often appear with long white beards and canes like dwarves do. Since the earthen material, rocks and dirt and wood, is masculine in nature, these are considered masculine spirits. Although there are feminine gnomes, there are feminine elves and goblins, and same way that there are masculine mermaids. There are masculine undines. The sliffs don't really have a, a classification, although because they are fluid like air, one might think the sliffs are more feminine in nature. And the other element, fire, would probably be considered somewhat masculine. Two masculine, two feminine elements. They come together to create symmetry, perfection, creation. Likewise, we can attribute certain aspects of the self, of life, of the human experience to the elements. Think about this. The air is the breath. The fire is the spirit. The water is the soul. And of course, the earth, as we are all earth dwellers, is the body. Our soul, our spirit may reside within or without, around the physical body, that we call home to every component of our mental and psychological state. And that body finds home on the pale blue dot. Earth. We are all earth dwellers. We are all, in a sense, gnomes. We dwell on the earth. But there are other creatures throughout various cultures, different folk tales, different legends, different mythologies, and most of them tell the same story. They just have different names for those creatures. For example, in the folklore of Spain and Latin America and the Philippines and Portugal, there's a supernatural being or spirit that resembles a pixie or an imp. Depictions of this character look very similar to what we call a gnome. It's known as the duinda. The Duinda is a figure of folklore. Usually wears a little hat and has a long beard and a cane. It's Latin American, like El Chupacabra. 
Then there's another creature, a powerful magical creature that is usually found in places like Delaware or Massachusetts in the New England area. This creature is called the Pukwudgy. The Pukwudgy has bows and arrows in its arsenal, making it kind of like the elf depictions in Lord of the Rings, the elves that are good with a bow and arrow, you know, Orlando Bloom's character. There are other traditions, some that, you know, are very unique and very, very distinct. Hawaiian mythology, for example, there's a creature called the Minahun. I think I'm pronouncing that right, Minahun. It's a mythological dwarf. It's kind of like the the Dorvern, uh, Dorvin stories that we we see in um, in movies and TV shows and in books. Little tiny people. These are the Dorvin people of Hawaiian tradition, and they are said to live deep within the hidden valleys of the Hawaiian islands, far away from human settlements. They also find dominion in the forest. They're very good at crafting things. They build temples, they build roads, they build houses, just like the elves. The elves themselves are the dwellers of the home. Again, like Dobby, the house elf in Harry Potter. They are protectors of the home in that way, much like the reason we put a garden gnome in front of our home is not necessarily because it looks good. I think somewhere deep down subconscious somewhere genetically. We do that because our ancestors did that. A little totem, a little talisman, a little creature we put outside of the home, in the garden, in the lawn, the dashboard of our car, to hopefully bring protection, some kind of you know magical barrier to the outside world, to protect our home, our private area, our, our space. That elf, that character, that creature helps to do that in tradition. Then there's another group of characters. They're found in the United States and Wisconsin. They're called the Hanchis. And folklore says the Hanchis are a group of little people. It's just another name for elves and dwarves and goblins or midgets, depending on who's telling the story and what that culture is and what that person's interpretation is. Hanchis are more of a, an urban legend, really, though, than they are part of the, the greater mythos, I think, at least in my opinion. Of course, the dwarves are usually considered separate from the gnomes, unless you really know your mythology. Maybe you're a nerd or a, a, a geek like I am, because the gnomes are you know, the, over, the overseen earth-dweller character in the same way that undines are the overseen water character and mermaids are probably the best known undine for gnomes i I don't know it's probably the elf or the dwarf but the elves and the dwarves are both gnomes which is funny because in lord of the rings the elves and the dwarves hate each other and the the elves live in the forest and the dwarves live in uh you know an underground fortress inside of a mountain but in both cases the forest the woods and the mountains just like the valleys that that is the dominion of these creatures it's the dominion of the earth dwelling people whether it's a duonde or it's a pukwudji or it's a minihon 
or it's a Hanshi, or it's a Dorf, or it's a, a Pixie, or an Imp, a Goblin, an Elf, or a simple Gnome. They're all the same. The Elves and the Dwarves in Lord of the Rings are from the same class. They're not cut from a different cloth. They find dominion in forests. They find dominions in the earth. The different kinds of, of creatures. I mean, I guess if you're using Lord of the Rings as a reference to this, you could say the eagles are kind of like the, the air dwellers. They are these divine spirits. In fact, the, the sliffs are considered, they the elemental of the air, the sliffs are considered the, the highest of the, the spiritual creatures because they exist in an intangible and invisible spiritual realm in the clouds, in the surrounding atmosphere, around the tops of mountains. That's why they're considered the highest of all elementals. Their element has the highest vibratory rate. I think it's pretty incredible when you start looking at something as simple as fire, air, water, and earth, something that you'll learn about in science class. You know, the different states of matter. You can freeze water. You can melt ice. You can use fire to melt the ice. You can freeze the water with the air if it's cold enough. You can use fire to warm the air. You can burn and scorch the earth. You can take a dry, hard, cracked earth and you can moisten it with water. You can blow it away with air. You can blow earth into the air. You can make the air moist with water. You can dry it out with fire. These are things that Cornelius Agrippa writes in his books on occult philosophy. Really, really great texts if you're interested in this type of thing. Especially if you're a practicing magician, you should probably read those four books on occult philosophy. Now, you start looking at these uh, these creatures, fairies, hobgoblins, uh, whatever they are. And, um, you know, in fairy tales and mythology, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of our understanding of these myths come from not only Lord of the Rings, but they come from Disney movies. You know, Tinkerbell, the fairy. They come from, um, you know, even the idea of the, the poisoned apple. I mean, that's, that's uh, Snow White. And then, of course, Snow White has uh, some little friends. What are those seven friends? Well, those seven friends are the seven dwarves, right? And the seven dwarves, interestingly enough, Seven dwarfs from Snow White are considered by Carl Jung to be the seven classical archetypes. They're also the seven original planetary gods and their consciousnesses, along with other variations of the number seven. The seven archetypes, planetary gods, consciousness, seven demons, the seven spheres, the seven, the seven planes that the spirit must pass through after death. Just like the story of Ishtar's garb or the gates of ishtar seven dwarves and snow white dopey happy bashful sleepy grumpy sneezy and doc share similarities with the fairies in sleeping beauty or the scandinavian demons that are of the earth toki skaveria va dune orin greer and razvid there are names for these creatures it's not disney didn't make all this up you know that right disney <laughs> disney didn't make all this stuff up you know that's why it's timeless. That's why it's 
That's why it's something that, you know, not the new Disney, but like the old Disney, the classic Disney, it's timeless because it's magic. It's like the Wizard of Oz. I mean, the Wizard of Oz uses the Tin Man, which is the mineral body, the Lion, which is the animal body, and the Scarecrow, which is the vegetable body. Those are three of the seven components of the self as an extension from God or source. You have the minerals, the elementals, or the elements, the plants, the animals, the humans, the demigods, and the gods. And those seven rays, or seven divine rays of consciousness, are the creating force of all things. Life. Seven days of creation, seven divine rays of light. You find it in Christianity. You find it in Mithraism, the Persian tradition, where a lot of our concepts for duality come from. There's even a story of a Last Supper. And there's a story of the slaying of the bull, the great sacrifice, and the raining down of the blood on the earth, leading to regeneration and rebirth. The blood of the bull as the sacrificial lamb or the sacrificial paschal. And that sacrificial paschal leads to us being forgiven for our sins, the spilling of blood, the sacrifice. You know, these are things that that are archetypical. These are things that are in our genetics. They're in the, the collective unconscious and the collective subconscious and the individual subconscious that makes up that collective. And all of these things... I think are the foundation for why there are so many, you know, Disney movies, let's say, that'll be forgotten. Nobody will ever remember them. But no one's going to forget Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. No one's going to forget Sleeping Beauty. No one's going to forget these stories because they've been told over and over and over again for hundreds and for thousands of years throughout different cultures and in different ways, and the stories have stuck with us. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs isn't just playing on some legends and some, and, some, and some myths. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty goes back to the time of ancient Egypt. Sleeping Beauty is the story of Isis, the flawless goddess. Sleeping Beauty, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the story of... Uh, you know, the Tangled movie that was based on Rapunzel. Um, and, and these are not all confined to one region of the world. Some are, some are Indian, Hindu myths. Some are myths that are Germanic, like dwarves. They're usually considered much more Germanic. Some are stories from various parts of Asia. Some from, in the case of the Menehun, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, the Menehun, uh, there are dwarf people in Hawaii. In Hawaiian tradition, and Hawaiian myth, that's not really something that, that you hear a lot about, even in the, uh, the paranormal world, even in the world of you know, researching fairies and Bigfoots and mystical, mythical creatures. You know, Hawaii has a rich tradition of, of, of creation stories and of uh, creatures like the Minehun. And, um, you know, I, I think... Um, 
one of the interesting things is, again, if you watch Lord of the Rings and you see the elves and the dwarves, they don't like each other, but where do they dwell? They dwell in the trees, in the forest, and they dwell in the mountains. And those two locations are the locations of the gnomes. And the elves are gnomes and the dwarves are gnomes. They dwell in wooded or earth in the sense of more dirt and rock-like dwellings. They, they are the gnomes. They are the gnomas, which is Greek for earth dwellers. And that is the element of the earth or, you know, the, you know, in Latin America, they're the duande or the, you know, and just kind of, um, places that are, are, are very specific like Delaware or Massachusetts, the Pukwudgy. I know I find it very fascinating. I, I think one of the scariest and eerie things that I've seen is a story from Linda Godfrey's book, I Know What I Saw, where there's an actual picture in the book taken at a state park. It was taken in Chile. And this was back in 2002. A man, and I believe it was his daughter, were in a cave, and uh, he had had turned around to talk to his daughter to see where she was, and he, he caught this image of what looks like, um, you know, some people say, oh, it's a rock. And maybe it is a rock. But it looks like a person standing there with a bald head, kind of like a gray alien or very, very similar to, to, to Schmeagel. Um, it's a really creepy picture. I don't know if you uh, can pull it up online or not. It's in it's in Linda Godfrey's book. I know what I saw on page one forty seven. Hidden little people is the chapter. It's a really good book. I love uh, Linda's work. It's a very creepy picture, but it's like there's something strange about these stories, you know, because when when you hear them, you know, a lot of times it's just nonsense on YouTube or it's nonsense on radio or it's nonsense some fictional, you know, kind of fantasy TV show or movie or comic book. But you have real people tell stories of interactions with these kinds of things. And sometimes having never, never been inclined to discuss such a, such a, a thing, there's a, there's a, there's a realness to it, especially when people that, that tell these stories uh, are, if they're not actors, they're, they seem to be legitimately disturbed by what they, they interacted with. You know, I've interacted, I've seen, I've heard, I've felt a lot of bizarre things. And I try to consider all possibilities in explaining what those things are. And a lot of things that might be more supernatural or paranormal, they're abnormal, they're out of what is considered the normal, you know, run of the mill. You know, there, there are things that, that maybe, uh, you know, they're explained by science, which is just observation. If I can explain it, it is, I mean, if you could, if you could document that there was an elf that you could shake hands with like Dobby, you could document it through photographs and evidence, that would be science. You know, this idea that science means that mystical, mythical things can't exist is the antithesis of science. Science isn't meant to disprove the existence of these things. Science is meant to prove the existence of these creatures. You know, it's an observational uh, point of fact. It's a, it's a way to look at the natural world and try to understand it. That's where these creatures come from in the first place. What are the elements? What is fire? They ascribe a salamander to it. The dragon guarding the treasure, blowing the fire out of its mouth. What is the water? 
the Lady of the Lake, who grabs the sword, King Arthur in the legend. The water is fluid. It is feminine. The mermaid. The people. Yeah, there are mermen. But it's a, it's, a, it's a feminine element. Like fire is a masculine element. And water, the undines. These mermaid-like creatures. And what is the air? Invisible. High vibration. Powerful entities called the sliffs that can be summoned. Which is why we burn candles and we light incense and the smoke we hope with our prayers is carried up into the realm of the slifts, into the realm of the gods, the dominion of the gods. So they hear our prayers and they hopefully intervene in things that, that are earthly. And, and, and what is the earth? What is earthly? Earthly, the trees, the rocks, the mountains, the valleys. We are earth dwellers ourselves and Within the earth-dwelling community, you find elves, you find dwarfs, you find pixies, you find imps, you find duendes, you find pukwajis, you find hanshis, you find minhuns, you find dwarves that are described in tradition around the world, and they're probably one of the most well-known folklore-like uh, creatures. And they specifically dwell in the mountains, you know, as opposed to elves that usually you know dwell in forests, but they're still gnomes. And when we put gnomes outside of our homes, they are protectors of the home, like the elves that are house elves that create mischief in the house. And the story of the elves looking to create mischief are told in, in, in stories of people that have been in caves and have found that things that are shiny on their person, when they take a nap, they go to sleep for a little bit, disappear. Keys, little clips, because they're interested in those shiny objects. Like children, they take them and hide them, or like ferrets or something. They take them and hide them. They take them and they pile them up. The cave-dwelling creatures that want the shiny things, the gold, to protect those, those things. My precious. I find all this to be interesting. I find all of this to be, to be um, you know, powerful in understanding human tradition and, and understanding folklores and legends and mythology so that, you know, we, we can understand that when... Ancient people looked at the world. They ascribed these characteristics, you know, a salamander, a, a gnome, a, you know, a, an air spirit, um, a water spirit. In the same way that we look and we say, well, look, there's nitrogen, and there's hydrogen, and there's oxygen, and there's, of course, carbon. You know, in essence, the, the dwarves are carbon, and the salamanders are nitrogen. And the sliffs are oxygen. And the undines are H2O. Some high-quality H2O, Waterboy says. This is science. And I find it to be degrading, and I find it to be quite despicable and embarrassing when scientific communities dismiss legend and mythos as being irrelevant when in fact, those legends and those myths are the very reason that you can even be a scientist today. Because those myths and those legends were the scientific process 500, 1,000, 1,500 plus years ago. And all the stories that we look at as just simply being fun Disney stories are powerful because for generations, for thousands of years, they have been told. 
It's in our genetics. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the fire. It's in the earth. It's in the elements. It's in the elementals. It's everywhere around us, always communicating to us, always there. And we will always be here on The Secret Teachings, at least hopefully we'll be here. If you support us, we'll definitely be here. Grab a copy of one of my books. Maybe it's Occult Arcana. There's a section on the gnomes and the other elementals in the book. Maybe it's food philosophy. Maybe it's the technological elixir. Get a free copy of one of these books when you subscribe for one year to the archive or subscribe monthly for $10 a month. Just go to www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe, grab a book, support the show, keep us on air, and we will continue to produce the content we do Monday through Friday right here on The Secret Teachings. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. The music tonight, White Bat Audio. Check us out on Patreon and our affiliate sponsors on thesecretteachings.info, Pro and Water Filters, and US Plus Health. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com and find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Again, stay healthy, stay safe, stay informed. And we will talk to you on the next broadcast. <laughs>